0: for the AWA World Heavyweight Wrestling Championship. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Green, and we are with uh, episode 51 of WOW. And according to their email, this is titled, Light at the End of the Tunnel. I'm not sure why they titled it that. I mean, I understand uh, probably the premise as to why they wanted to title it that it just seems like it's a little premature given how the match how the show finished off uh but you know i'm not the one naming these things so it doesn't really make a make a difference and it's not like the general public knows what these are named anyway so it's, it's neither here nor there it's just something that comes up since i've seen it uh but let's go off into this um This is essentially WoW's season finale. Now, I want to be clear. It is not a season in the standard or traditional sense of a television show. They tried that on a number of occasions where they would do 13 weeks or so and then where they would take a hiatus and they would come back a couple of months later and start back up again, which I am sorry to say is stupid. Uh, It... (laughs) For wrestling, it's a far easier thing to do in a uh, you know television environment because that's that's how TV's structured. TV has been that way. TV is not uh, sitcoms, dramas, you know, things like that. They're they're not structured to be just an ongoing event. Whereas with wrestling, it has been structured to be an ongoing event, and those breaks in between have caused rifts in the in the roster the company. I mean it's hard enough for them to keep people just in general because I know I've said it. Some people probably knew and may not have heard it. But while only tapes at currently as of me recording this right now they only tape two well not two three to four times in a year. So when you're doing that for a weekend, you're leaving months In between the time that you have to come back And do something, other opportunities may have come up Other things, you know the, uh, Other promotions may have reached out To you, you may have reached out to other promotions you, you know, a lot of those things take place But I mean, Some of these ladies have such A loyalty to it I don't think that the ones at the top Your Penelope Pinks Your Sweet Heats Your uh, The, the probably some of, some people that are local like Tiki tomorrow definitely of Star, uh, quite possibly the Mother Truckers and so on. You know, I don't think they have any desire to ever like, hey, I gotta leave and go do something else because a lot of them still do the, the stuff that they're doing which is why I'm like, you know, if an opportunity comes along, that's that's another chance that Wild loses people which is, you know, not that I'm saying that out loud, probably a good reason why they have this constant drive to like we got to hire more people even though the hour-long television show does not support having a roster of 60 plus uh, that's probably why they do it but you know i'm I'm sure once i go into the year-end review of the entirety of wow for uh 2023 and you know a little bit of 2022 that they did uh, I'm sure when I go into the review of that, it, it would probably cover all of those things the people that came in and left and whatever. <clears throat> it, it should be quite interesting to actually really sit down and, like, okay, what did they do right? What did they do wrong? And there's no better time for them to do it. Like, again, this is their season finale, as they like to phrase it. And we can now look back on the entirety of the year and say, "Yeah, they, there was no payoff of this. This worked. This was a good match. This person did great. This person sucked." You know, you, you you've got all the material in front of you now for a full review of the year. Now, I'm not going to do that. Now, we're going to go through the episode. I just wanted to, you know, bring that in and uh, just say that that's on the horizon. So. At the beginning of this episode Episode 51 What else do we start off with But a recap of what happened last week And that was the Tonga Twins Taking on Miami's Sweet Heat In a false count anywhere No hose barred Wall weapons Useful blah 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 Tag team championship match The match Which suffered greatly In my view Based on the fact that they did not even attempt that stipulation, and then the finish of the match just ter- just ruined. It. That it was a terrible finish, terrible, terrible. Uh, I'm sure they probably feel otherwise, but it, and I also know if I sat all four of them down in front of that monitor and said, "What the," I, I was about to cuss. Uh, <laughs> What was happening? <laughs> I am sorry. I try not to guzzle here because I don't want to have to go through and edit it out and stuff like that. <laughs> but yeah, I was—I felt myself get a little worked up there and I was about to say something that I might have regretted for the video. But uh, yeah, if I set all four of them down in front of a monitor, I would be really hard pressed for them to, to deny what I'm saying. I'm like, hey, what is going on here? The finish of this match has this woman Standing there watching you, as if she and she has to act like she has no ability to go in there and save her sister, while she's getting beat up in front of her, and the sister that's getting beat up is attempted to be thrown out at least twice before they actually succeeded. It, you know, it, it 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 just looked bad, and I can only imagine that it might have been worse considering that this was taped. This is an edited show, and it still came out that way. Like, this should have been a point that Dave are like, y'all need to go back there and do this again. Get back in that ring and have this match all over again. That was bad. That's what he should have said. Now, I realize that what I'm talking about right now is episode 50 and not episode 51. But they brought it up in the uh, in the opening segment of the show, so I felt like it's worth bringing in. It's worth bringing in the point that the when I really went back and looked at it again, I was like, the referee didn't even leave the ring for what was supposed to be a false count anywhere match. He just stood there and watched them. They never left ring or the ring or ringside, so they didn't even attempt a false count anywhere at any point. These are one of those things like, yeah, the Wild just needs to stop promising things that they cannot deliver. They're not good at it. They are not good at it. Anything that goes beyond a normal match with the time frame of eight minutes or less for most of them, they can't deliver. I'm sorry, they can't. Gauntlet match, terrible. False kind anywhere, terrible. They just, you know, when it when it goes off in the stipulations, they just can't. And I'm sure if I went back through all of these notes, because I got 51 weeks of them, I would find other stuff. Those are just two things that popped in my mind. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. The uh, qualifying matches. Didn't even use them. Stipulations and payoffs. Just not good at it. Just not. So they do this, and they had to recap, and I... I will say this much for the people who edited this show. The opening segment that they did to make the match look better than what it was, brilliant work. I have praised the editors on this show before, but the you know, they took this match and the few clips of them, you know, doing things with the trash cans and being tossed on the outside and whatnot, and they made it look dynamic. Not as, not quite as dynamic as, uh, you know, it actually was. But they made it look good. And I think that those editors deserve some praise. Because I also know that the people that watch WoW, you generally have short-term memories. So if they saw this, it would probably and likely paint the picture like, Oh man, that match looked amazing. So, bravo to them. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the clips also took which is what should have been happening in the match itself but the clips also took away that long awkward what am i doing i'm trying to stand here i want to look like i can help but i can't it you know it, they they cut all of that out and trimmed it down to where it's just impact 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 and i don't mean the promotion i mean just actual impact uh and then they start previewing for the upcoming match This is probably one of the better recaps that they had because, you know, all of it is relevant. It goes from dealing with Miami's Sweet Heat towards uh, the next person in the Fabulous Four roster not being Penelope Pink and the champion. And, of course, that would be the main event uh, for this episode while she defends the championship against Princess Ozzy. I can say up front that it already started off with a different tone than what the tag team matches did. Not because there were rules involved, but because the stupidity that they applied to the logic of the tag team match did not exist here. What stupidity, you ask, because you might not have seen last week or you might not have heard me do it. The whole idea that Lana Starr is like, oh yeah, then the tag team championships, she's not there at ring because she said that they didn't need her. Despite the fact that within the wild WOW universe she has cheated at every turn to try to keep the titles, but now all of a sudden in this no holds bar match that she would have perfectly good right to interfere and do whatever it is to try to keep the titles, now I say y'all don't need me. Or Vicki Lynn. You do it yourself because you're that good. Didn't make sense. It was it was stupid. It was really stupid. So, to get off of the stupidity of the main event of episode 50, we will go into some of the things in episode 51. The first match being Tormenta with Sofia Lopez and Chantilla Chela. The first note for this match is why is Sofia still shaking hands with everyone? Where is the, it's been a year now. And that's gone nowhere. The heel manager who's come out and she's shaking hands with all the kids and smiling and all that stuff, it's, it's a pointless act. She's not building this to anything. It's not leading into any other story. It's just her shaking hands. Why is the wild management allowing this to happen? That would be my first question. Because Sophia's probably, you know, I'm just guessing here. I do not know this. I haven't asked. But she's probably just going out there doing that because she likes to do it. And she likes being, you know, friendly toward the kids, at least until the bell rings. But you're on TV, and you have a role to play. For all intents and purposes, there's a role for you to play. And your role is to heal. The heal should not be going out there trying to endear favor with the fans, particularly the kids, if there is not something that we're going to go to from this. And like I said, it's been a year now. This has not gone anywhere. It's it's just her shaking hands for the sake of shaking hands. So, I mean, why? Why? So anyway, this happens. She took one week where she did not do this, but she comes out and, and... with her client, so I mean, not Sophia Lopez isn't a client. With her client, Tormenta, and they're shaking hands, and you know, or she's shaking hands. Tormenta stays within what she's supposed to do. Tormenta is a heel. She comes out as a heel. Good on her. She sticks to it. And I don't know who it is in the back that's listening, or that Sophia would listen to, but somebody needs to tell her. You know what? Let's let's chill out with the uh, the handshaking and whatnot. Although I, don't, I just do not think Dave McClain would, would ever bother to do that because his idea of wrestling is a little different than that. And uh, he, whether he likes being the center of attention on that show, I, I get the feeling that he does like it to some degree or not. He draws attention to himself frequently. The lower third, he's the biggest face there even though A.J. Mendez will probably be a bigger draw. He is, generally speaking, the lead commentator, even though Steven Dickey technically is supposed to be. A.J. Mendez barely says a word, which doesn't matter anymore because she's already announced that she's departing the company. No ill will, but she's departing the company. She's not renewing the contract. She did it for a year, and now she's gone. And, of course, there's Dave McClain. Things like when Chantilly Cello, the opponent in this match, comes out and she tosses her robe, he has to grab and start dancing around for you know whatever reasons. But you know that that again, that's just stuff that he likes to do. Not good or bad, but just stuff that he likes to do. It's it's, it's not my particular cup of tea to see him doing whatever it is that he's doing, wearing this robe. And, you know, I guess that's become a thing between him and Chantilla, but, ah, uh, uh, David McClain. I certainly wish that he would tone back on some of these things. He he, he looks ridiculous with that, but that's my opinion. <laughs> he he looks ridiculous dancing around with that thing, but I, I do understand it is my opinion. Uh, the other thing that happened here before the match even started is that the Stephen Dickey started talking about a, a winning streak. And I wrote, what is he talking about? What winning streak? But then I had to remind myself that a winning streak in the wild can be two matches. I mean, it, they, they have some of the most unimpressive winning streaks I've ever seen or heard of in wrestling. But, yeah, in the wild, two wins in a row constitutes a winning streak. Technically, they're right. They're winning, but it's not an impressive winning streak. I mean it, it would be different if there was like, for the last three months, this person's been undefeated. She just you know she's been winning, 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 but I don't even know if they could do a proper winning streak angle, given the rotation of how people show up and you know, appear on the show, so much time in between them being there and not. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they they went off into that, and it was like, no, okay. Yeah, Tormenta has two good matches, and now she's on the winning streak. Yay. So, anyway, uh, all of that aside, I really didn't walk into this feeling like this was going to be bad because of the participants involved. Now, I've already said with uh, Chantilla Chella, A, I don't like the name. But, B, and more importantly, she is – probably an uh, MVP of that promotion. Now, she's not a champion. She's not part of a championship caliber team, nor does she have an overly impressive winning record. But for the job that she does, and I've I've pretty much narrowed it down to she's one of the um, people that's on that roster who has... A fair amount of experience and work inside the ring. She still works the independence, so you know she's constantly getting um, t- in ring ring time. She's one of the people there that they could probably stick in the ring with almost anybody. Well, I'm not even gonna say almost, just stick in the ring with anybody that's on their roster and make it work somehow. I've mentioned how she was with G.I. Jane, I mentioned how she was with Chainsaw. And, you know, a couple of other people who aren't necessarily as as qualified in the ring as her. And she is able to get something out of them. And, and oftentimes, now this is an editing problem, not hers. Oftentimes, the camera catches her giving instruction and telling them what to do and how to do it. And, yes, she's speaking shorthand. She's not having full-on conversations, but you can still see it. So I mean, so in that regard, I get the idea or I, I understand she is a top player for this company and they probably really truly need her to help the people in there who do not have the same amount of experience, the same skill set, um, the same in-ring instinct that Chella does. Tormenta I feel like would be fine. You know, she she's good at what she does also. She travels the world. So, given that, I was like, okay, I, my expectations for this match, time limit aside, I think it would be fine, and it was. Um, one of the notes I have in Tormenta tosses is a really good clothesline. I mean, she buried that thing in t- into Chela's uh, throat, and and it it, it wasn't like she because you know sometimes you get some women that do a clothesline and it is somewhat light. I do not think that Tormenta was. Drilling her and making it like, okay, I'm gonna just blast your head off, but she did push through with the clothesline and made it look good. I mean, it's it's a very simple thing, but it's an important thing. Uh, The way that she came across and dropped the knees, you know, on Chela's abdomen, very safe. Looked good, and, the, and like that little portion of the match, everything was in in, in perfect sync. The camera was in the right place. Cello was in the right place. Tormenta dropped it in the right place. Everything was perfect. Perfect. Uh, the only thing, I mean, and I enjoyed the match. I really did into for the little bit of it What that was here. I enjoyed the match. The only thing that if I had to question or... um. Uh, criticize anything there. I think there was a little bit of a mistimed uh, finish with Tormenta. You know, accidentally hitting the knees off the off the top rope. At, and that's not a uh, a case of oh well, she did, it was just sloppy. It, this is just timing. This this was this was just timing here. Tormenta has a finish where she comes off the rope with uh, the top rope with the the knees right. And uh, what is it was a meteor when you drive the knees towards the shoulders and head. Well, <clears throat> she was setting up to do that for Cella, who's in the middle of the ring. And now the spot seems to have been Tormenta comes off. She goes for the for the meteor. She misses when Cella rolls out of the way. And then you go into the finish. What happened here is that, again, a little bit of the timing was off. Tormenta comes off with the knees and Chella rolls in to evade it, but she caught some of the knees on the way down in the effort to evade. Like She caught some of them on her ribs. But because we're in the finish of the match, she had to pretty much ignore that. (laughs) She couldn't sell it and just get up and go. So she does. She gets up. Tormenta tries to recover quickly from her failed finish, but when she goes for the clothesline, Cella ducks it, catches her, spins it around, catches her with a heel kick to the side of the head, or, you know, allegedly <laughs> to the side of the head, and she pins her. One, two, three. So whatever Tormenta had going for her, Chella wins, and, and then it's played up like she's like, I won? I, me? Really? Wow. You know, so <laughs> I don't know if it's a case of she was supposed to be the, resident loser of WoW because she has a terrible win-loss record. So the, even the facial expressions that she illustrated looked good for what was being, you know, delivered. It was a good match, good chemistry. The, the, the finish was a little off, but that is not enough to, to uh, ruin the enjoyment of the match, I don't think. I think the match still works. He had a couple of bad cameras and angles in there every once in a while, but, again, all in this match is all forgiven. The next segment is a feud recap uh, that sets up the main event. No really to talk about that. I mean, it's the main event, and they talk about it all through the show. Penelope Pink, Princess Ozzy for the title. And then they advertise the next match as a six-person tag, or at least it's supposed to be, and we'll go off in that. So, it is advertised as BK Rhythm, Robbie Rocket, and GG Gianni taking on Team Spirit. For those who do not know, Team Spirit is supposed to be Randy Rara, Coach Campanelli, and Ariel Sky. So, no one from Team Spirit came other than Randy Rara. She is walking out from backstage, looking like a lost child. See that that's one look that she does very well. She's the con, the utterly confused child look she's mastered. So she comes out, and she's like, I don't know where my my partners are because apparently cell phones don't exist in a while, or at least not for her, and so. <laughs> So she came to this match, signed up. I mean, you know, and I try to think about this in a K babe way. She came to this match, signed up for a six-person tag. And right up until bell time, her partners are not there. And that's fine. I guess, you know, they could have taken a different ride in or something like that, but I guess both of them couldn't be reached. AJ Mendez has tried to make it out to be like, well, you know, maybe Coach Campanelli's trying to teach her a lesson or something like that. I'm like, what lesson? Why? For what? What does she do that that would constitute having a lesson being taught? Other than you just want to be a, a jerk and like, ah, make her do it herself. But then that goes back to the same thing I said several weeks ago, probably at the beginning of this entire season. What are they doing with Coach Campanelli? Campanelli is very much like Sophia Lopez in that she Somewhat portrays heel, even though she, you know, exists as a babyface. Lopez is the opposite of that. She somewhat portrays babyface, even though she exists as a heel. So I don't know where they're going with this, and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, because they didn't provide any sort of real solution or answer as to why, you know, this this is an old wrestling angle. This is not anything new. That you know, the guy that's there, my partner isn't here. He's gonna be here. I promise. You know, and you find out that they had four flat tires or something like that. Um, but back in the days when we were, you know, seeing those angles, there weren't cell phones. So I think at the very least, they should, like, hey, did you call? <laughs> yes, I did. No one answered, or whatever the case. I don't know. I mean, just something to, to give it a little bit more plausibility. But anyway, uh, so David McLean basically changes the match on the spot it's like well the match is signed and i can't not have the match but i don't want you going in there in a handicap match either so we'll change it to a one-on-one are you willing to do a one-on-one she says yes and then the heel team picks which one of the three is going to be uh wrestling her in this case they chose gigi gianni so all of that happens at the beginning of the match because Dave McClain interviews and You know, that is yet another job that Dave McClain has that no one else does. He's the lead interviewer, too. And also, he's the matchmaker. So he, his job is never over. It's never over. He, he always has something that he has to do and, and put together and what have you. So, uh... They have that, and like I said, we cho- They chose the uh, the heel uh, of choice, that being Gianni, and then she Ra Ra goes in this by herself. Um, AJ keeps implied, well, she implied that Ra Ra is being ghosted, which you know, again, kind of ridiculous, but. Uh, maybe they'll go somewhere with that. Maybe they won't. Who knows? I, my my strong urge is that they they'll go somewhere with it. That's unsatisfactory. That that that's what my instinct tells me. But we'll see. So Raw Rock gets in the ring, and again she she looks like a deer in the headlights. She's just like I don't know what to do. You know her 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 whole look is not of someone who is ready to compete in any sort of match. It's just. Without my partner, I have no chance. I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I can't think for myself. That, that's how it comes across. I'm sure that's not what she was trying to do. But like I said, she looks like a deer in headlights. Whereas across the ring, there's utter confidence, which of course they should have because they got the numbers on their side. And, you know, Robbie Rocket and BK Rhythm both got to stay at ringside. So I don't know what the purpose of Dave McClain, like, oh, we're going to make this a one-on-one match to try to make this fair when she also has two people standing in the, in the corner of the opposite side ready to interfere or do whatever at, you know, at a moment's notice. So there's a spot in the match where Ra-Ra ducks underneath Gianni and she looks like she's trying to scoot out of the ring, but then BK Rhythm stops her from doing it. She it. But she doesn't interfere. She doesn't interfere. She just basically like stands there. She, she pops up in a way like not, as if to say, nope, you're not leaving. <laughs> like, you know, where are you going? So, I, I, I honestly, I really, other than the fact that they're being mean and yelling at her, nothing is being done wrong here. They didn't break any rules, you know, as far as that's concerned. She she didn't do a thing. She didn't touch her. She just stood there and, like, nope. And Rah-Rah, of course, didn't even, you know, didn't bother past that point. She's like, oh, okay, then I guess I got to go back in. <laughs> you know, it, it's almost like it turned into an impromptu lumberjack match, I guess, I mean, it wasn't like she was tossed out and beat up and thrown in there. I'm just saying that the narrative is that she couldn't leave. There's a point in the match where Rara is uh, uh, looking towards the entrance like, where are my partners, where are my friends, you know? And I have to admit this is a nice look where where Gianna comes up behind Rara as she has this... You know, a third deer in the headlight look like, where is everybody? Where's my friends at? Gianni comes up behind her and drapes her leg across her throat. And then both Robbie Rocket and BK Rhythm come and they are sitting at the side. Like, this is just funny, you know, to me. Because it's funny within the context of the match. They aren't trying to be comedians here. They are the heels and they're doing heel shtick. They see not their personal opponent, but the opponent of their partner in there having a hard time. And they're just like, Oh, look at you. You know, that, that kind of thing. Now, this is the point where they do cheat because when Gianna gets off, she then goes directly towards the referee and begins distracting her. While BK Rhythm and Robbie Rocket pull Ra-Rah's hair and drape her over, continue to drape her over the second rope. It's, Great that she uh, is able to do that. And, and by that, I mean the entirety of that little sequence. Draping it over the rope, setting this up, moving the referee in position to where I can get my partners to cheat for me. That's, that's good heel stuff. And I like it. I didn't necessarily like the fact that Ra-Ra was looking like she – had zero confidence in herself. But I, I guess for who Ra-Ra is and uh, the narrative of the match, I suppose is fine. But uh, if there's any one thing that I feel like Gianni did wrong here, I, I don't want to say wrong, comparatively, like following behind Tormenta, you can see a, a, a visual difference in their clotheslines. Like for me, Gianni doing that short on clothesline looked like she was in slow motion. I mean, it still had impact, just didn't have the—I don't know—it's an it factor. It's some oof. I don't know what it is, but it just didn't seem, in my view, to have the same type of deal as uh, Tormenta. So all through the match, you got Raw Rock, you know, constantly, constantly trying to get up and. have have this look of concern and and what what's going on where's everybody if there's any plus i can give here rara does have great vit- facials for whatever you can say about randy rara as a persona she has great facials it is very clear what it what her emotion is here abandonment where are you? I need help. So, I mean, it's only so much that I could complain about the deer and headlights thing, quite honestly, even though it's very true. It's only so much I could complain about that because she delivered the message without having to say it. I, I, I have to give her credit where it's due. It was all told within her face. It is one of those things that I don't know if you can really teach that with a lot of people. Some people just cannot get it. So the fact that she's able to do that and her body language mirrored the idea that I, I'm just not confident here without my partners. I, she did a fine job. Wasn't a great match. The match was basically a squash. This was a showcase for Gianni. So it was, it was good for her, but it wasn't a great competitive match, if that makes sense. So um, Gianni hoists Rara up at the end on her shoulders and then uh, delivers a like a spin-out sidewalk slam. And that does it. Rara's done. And for all intention purposes, a clean victory, if you know, if we subtract the <laughs> BK rhythm and Robbie Rocket draping uh Ra-Ra's throat across the second rope, but I, I guess you can't really uh, not mention that. So um that was it was a it was a good match. I enjoyed it. Even though I I wanted more out of ra I understood what rah was doing. So it is only personal preference here in this regard. I, I would have wanted her to do more. At least if I were instructing that match, I was like, you know, put up put up a fight. You're gonna lose, but I need to see you fight. I and mean, we need to see the heart of Randy Randy Ra Ra. We need to see her fighting from underneath, you know, and not giving up. But ultimately the numbers just get you. And you Succumb. That would be the thing that I would be trying to get across. Not so much the where are they? What's going on? You know, so but it's not my show and it's not my story. So we we go with what they got. Uh, the next segment is the history package of the mother truckers. And they show Lopez getting them out of jail and the non-title match that she acquired for them, which, you know, didn't make a lot of sense, but it happened. And then we go into the match itself. It is Las Banditas with Sofia Lopez taking on the mother truckers. The heels enter with the police. Now, let's just go ahead and start this right now. The first thing is, are they just chopping together shows? And I ask that because... Sofia Lopez is on this episode twice in an entirely different outfit than what she had on when she came back out with Las Bandidas. Now, it's possible that she could have gone back there. She could have changed and decided that, all right, we're going to take this brown outfit off with the black sweater and I'm going to put on all white. so All of those things are possible. She could have just Walk backstage, I got some time. Let's go ahead and change it. But I am under the impression that it's probably just a match from another day that they worked into this. That would be my guess. Uh, the show up to this point, I didn't have a problem with, but here is where it begins. one, I don't know who these people that they hired to be the police, but they don't look like police. I'm, they, they're just, they're too babyface. And I don't mean babyface as in good guy. I mean, they look like young. <laughs> I mean, and that's not to say that you don't have young cops, but it's, it's like young, fresh out of high school young. That's what they look like. If I am going to do casting, and I and let's be honest, This is a TV show for them more so than it is a wrestling promotion. So if I am going to do casting, I'm not casting these two. I need to cast some people who look like cops, look like two people that are not going to take any crap. And more so than that, why would you have cops come out the ringside to enforce this? And what is this? I'm sure somebody's asking. Well, this is Sophia Lopez coming out the ringside with a contract that apparently the mother trucker signed to enforce them laying down for who knows what reason, other than just to give them a win. I didn't like any of this. <laughs> Now, and I'm not talking about the match. I'm just talking about the the angle, the payoff, where this is going. I didn't like any of this because it is so badly done. None of it makes any sense. It's just ridiculous from start to finish. Who's supposed to be the babyface and who's supposed to be the heel here? And I'm not on, on the surface of it. I know people are like, well, of course, Sofia Lopez is the heel. All right, so let's look at this entire angle from start to finish. Before we even go into the, into the match, let's look at this entire angle from start to finish. And you tell me, who's the bad guys here? And nothing I'm saying is, is stuff that didn't take place on camera. We're going with everything that they did on camera and whatever little uh, strings they could tie together with their commentary, all right? So we have to go all the way back to when the mother truckers are in the feud, we'll, we'll call them Samantha Smart's army. right? They win, but Samantha Smart somehow knows someone who drives it, you know, has a CDL license and was able to just get in and take their truck and drive it. Not just drive it anywhere in the city. And, and mind you, if you had your car stolen and somebody took it in your city, trying to find that car just within a major metropolis is hard enough. She had this thing told from Los Angeles to Tennessee. Okay. So, <laughs> Los Angeles to Tennessee. I don't know who she got to do that. They implied that it was G.I. Jane, and then they didn't imply that it was G.I. Jane like the following week. Uh, so, you have that. The truck is gone. The mother truck has come outside. And rather than... Asked David McLean, "Hey, is there some cameras out here? Because you know they had a perfect camera shot when they uh uh attacked the beast. They had mysterious camera footage then when uh, the the I was gonna say the Furies, but that's not their name. Fury of the Heavy Metal Sisters was arguing with Razor. They had cameras out there. They got cameras everywhere. So why didn't they have a camera for this? I mean." Theoretically they did, but they didn't watch the show to see Samantha Smart standing directly in front of a camera telling everybody that I want a truck towed. So they do that. They go looking for their truck, and somehow they know exactly where it is, exactly where it is in the United States. They get on a bus, and they go from Los Angeles to Tennessee directly, to where this truck is being kept, which is apparently in a uh, stockyard or a farm or something because it it wasn't a junkyard. It had stables rather than, like, extra cars. And uh, here again, rather than call the cops and say, this person stole my truck, I need it back, we'll just go in there and kick this dude in the balls and take the keys from him because he said, well, I'll wrestle you for it like the redneck that he is. Uh, Like the pervert redneck that he is. Okay? So they kick him, take the keys out of his pocket because he happened to have the keys, get into the truck and drive away. Next thing we know, maybe a week later, they're arrested. They're arrested and detained in an undisclosed city and state for an undisclosed crime. They never explain that. It's just they're there. They now are trying to get out of jail. And the brilliant idea that they come up with is let's call Samantha Smart. She'll get us out. And I want to sidebar to what a casual viewer of this show brought up to me. Cause I thought it was it was it was perfect and it was funny and it was right on point. He turned to me as we were watching and said, okay, wait a minute. You're telling me that they couldn't find a single other lawyer other than the one that was in Los Angeles? I was like, i pass 10 or 12 law firm billboards every day that I go to work. I hit them on commercials all the time. I get it on my YouTube channel when I'm trying to watch stuff. Like, lawyer commercials are everywhere. And you're telling me that this is the only person that they can find or that they thought to even ask? which I was like, well, you know what? You're right. They couldn't find another lawyer within the entire state or city of where they were. So rather than to do that, let's call somebody a couple thousand miles away and have them fly in us, or at least a couple hundred. So, Sofia Lopez flies out to wherever they are, sits down, and says, okay, I'll get you out of jail, but you'll owe me one. These are the terms that the mother truckers agreed to, (laughs) okay? They agreed to this. And in a real-world environment, let's let's see what Sofia Lopez would have likely had to do. Because there is no trial here. We don't know what the crime is, so we're going to assume that they're being held for theft of a vehicle that they already own. We're going to assume that. We don't know. They could have robbed a bank for all we know. Because the wow, wild not going to bring it up because they got to bring them. They got to be baby faces here, apparently. So they're not going to mention what the crime is. But Sophia Lopez, on her own dime, flies from Los Angeles to wherever they are, talks to them in jail, apparently pulls strings to get them out, which is probably very likely a bail bond, which costs money goes back to Los Angeles with a signed agreement slash contract between the two of them, or the three of them. They are able now to wrestle and win against Samantha Smart's army. They get a non-title match gifted to them by Sofia Lopez by the word of the commentators. Sofia Lopez got them this match. I don't know why, but Sofia Lopez got them that match. And they win. They beat the tag team champions, the then tag team champions, which by all accounts should make them the number one contenders, right? So now we move up to this. Because those are the major points of that story. Now we move up to this. Las Bandidas is out there with Lopez and the mother truckers and, you know, with the police. And... There, the commentators are explaining that you know the mother truckers are there to lay down for an easy win. So let's stop it again right there. What do they have to gain by having the mother truckers be? They didn't. It would have been different if they had explained that this is now a number one contenders match, and you know whoever wins this is going to get the next shot. That would make a lot of sense to me. It would make sense to me then that, okay, now I'm calling my mark. I need you to lay down. And my team, Las Bandidas, is going to be the number one contenders, and they are going to challenge for the titles. That's probably what should have happened. What did happen is that this is a random match with no consequence, stipulation, or reward that Sofia Lopez decided in her infinite wisdom that this is a good enough match as any to – Call in my mark. Didn't seem like this was a good place to do that. Like I said, it would make more sense that there was something on the line and the, the Banditas had something to gain. There's nothing to gain here. It is just a match. And if Wild had better care of their wins and losses and stipulations meaning something, then I would care about it. Well, why would I care about this when they can't even keep up their own stipulations? For what reason should I or anybody watching this be concerned that the motherfuckers are being told to lay down? It's not like they're losing anything. They're not losing maybe the money if you want to go off the traditional idea of the winner's purse. Maybe the money, but they're not losing a championship. They're not losing a spot. They're not losing anything other than the match. And then, and we've already established that the wins and losses are inconsequential for the most part here. So what's, what's the big deal? Never mind the fact that Lopez comes out there with a contract in the hand, like I said, that they apparently signed. They agreed to this. Nobody held the gun to their head. No one forced them to call Sophia Lopez. No one made them agree to terms with a heel manager they chose to do it and then they chose to renege surprise spoiler they reneged so i don't that's what i'm like who's the heels here you got these two people that basically took advantage of somebody who did their job she asked they asked sophia lopez to represent them in this universe she did her job she got them out she even got them an extra match against the tag team champions for for goodness sake she fulfilled her end of the agreement. Why is she the heel in this scenario? Now, she should be a heel. Don't get me wrong. Sofia Lopez and Banditas should be a heel. But this is just poor storytelling. This entire angle was poor storytelling. There's somebody in the back that thinking that this is, looks good and it's great TV. It's terrible. It's terrible storytelling. And I stand by that. It is terrible storytelling. So let's get to the match. We already know where this is going. I've just given you the spoilers. You know, nothing shocking here. Like I said, I don't think these uh, the college kids, cops, needed to be there at all. <laughs> if they were going to cast, they should have cast somebody a little bit more rugged somebody who looks like an authoritative figure rather than them just coming off of campus and asking somebody, hey, you guys, you feel like acting in a job? So you got that. The mother truckers come out, and they're told, uh, hey, you better lay down because of reasons. And Big Rick Betty is about to do it. She lays down. While Holly Swag is on the other side yelling and screaming, like, oh, don't do that so Betty lays down, Rivera gets on top, of her, and Holly Swag comes in and kicks her off. And now she's yelling at her mother, Holly Swag's yelling, We don't lay down for nobody, and all that other stuff. So, and this is another thing. Getting back to me saying that I think they just patchworked this episode together, the commentators are referring to Sweet Heat as the tag team champions. Although they had just lost the titles the previous week so something is out of sequence here and there was no quality control to this it slipped by somebody i wouldn't get on them for quality control if it only happened once or twice but this is like an ongoing thing with Valve where something is taped and then they'll go into the can and then it's included in the episode where it probably shouldn't be and then they just move on like well, well whatever And why do they do that? Because no one calls them out on it. The Wild fans do not care. They just like the matches, and they just move on with the matches, and it doesn't make any difference to them whether this is sensible or not. It is just, you know, as far as they're concerned, it's just a match. And I will also say, because I know I asked, you know, if you got any statements or something like that, uh leave it in the comment section below, right? Well, I did get a comment that I, I want to read because I thought that his statement was as probably as uh, poignant <laughs> a statement as as anything that I've read as it relates to wow and you know all that all that stuff, right? So uh I had made the statement that Wow is for kids. That that was one of mine's. I was like, you know, Wow is for kids. They they don't bother to try to explain stuff or get things right or get it in order or this or that or whatever the case may be. Wow is just for kids. And although I was not disagreed with, there was a uh, uh, a comment that was placed that kind of reinforced it. Uh and let me pull that let me pull that comment up. Let me let me go here and and find that. So if you're looking for it uh and I hope I'm saying uh your username right. And I apologize if I'm not. J Rock Freak he put a comment responding to that on uh the episode 48. The Last Stand review. And he said, Wow, at times, reminds me of the show that WWE had for kids Saturday Morning Slam. Because it seems like they just target people or kids who aren't looking for depth from their wrestling. They just like seeing wrestling. And I was like, you know what? That is actually the the best description of it I have read. That is absolutely true. I, I, I don't disagree with that in the slightest it is it is absolutely that is the wrestling show for kids and people who don't want depth in it it's just we want to see a match so if you fall into that category then the idea that this is a patchwork show or it doesn't have uh necessarily full logical blocks or stuff like that the idea that it does those things probably doesn't bother you at all but that's what it comes off as but it's also the reason why this show if you are looking for those things are like this goes into the toilet sometimes and this match is one of them it's a match that goes into the toilet it's not anything against the participants of the match If you're just going off of the match in and of itself, it's fine. Because they all work well together, quite honestly. Most times, Holly Swag is looked at as, you know, kind of super tiny and outsized by most other people. But in this case, she's fine. Because she's not vastly smaller than Rivera or Sanchez. But there's a point in the match where you know the the truckers come out and they're trying to get a hold of Rivera and Lopez gets in the way and she's holding the the papers in in front of <clears throat> in front of her like no you signed the contract you signed the contract as she should. Now I, I I do think I have to add in one other little detail here. This is something that the WWE does, and I I want to say I never really thought about it, but. Um, They make it very when, you have, when they have a contract on TV They put stuff in like big bold Lettering and dark And they put the logo of their Promotion or the brand on top of it I used to be like Why the hell are they doing this for We know which show we're watching But when I see it here on wild, wow, I was like okay now it makes absolute sense Because on TV it just looks like A blank piece of paper when, it's not, when the type is not darkened out and there's no logo on it and stuff like that, it just comes off like a blank piece of paper. It is a super small detail, but it's an important detail, and, and like I say, it now makes sense. One of the things that Lopez did well in here and her manager stick, I'm not going to go into her shaking hands with the kids and all that because I hate when she does it, but she was constantly in the in the match yelling at them like, hey, you got a contract. You're supposed to lay down. And she carries on and on and on about that. And it and, and it makes sense to me that she would and she could. It's like, why are you guys not doing this? I told you. You laid lay down. Now there is type on the paper. It's just, you know, you you gotta get like a really, really good close-up in order to see it. Um And, like, they got signatures on there. I I think they should have had a stronger shot to establish that. Or at least have Lopez come out and say it beforehand. Like, get out there, show the contract, cut the promo. But as it was, it's another case of the commentators have to fill in the blanks. Why do the commentators have to fill in the blanks for everything? Can't these people do a promo? I mean, that's what you hire them for. And yes, there's a promo at the end of this. But it would help to at least establish what is this for and what are they fighting about and what are these papers if Lopez actually got up there and said it. But they didn't, and they had to rely on the commentators again. So, you know, what are you gonna do? He does move on. Anyway, uh the commentators tried to make the truckers sympathetic baby faces here. I I have a really hard time buying them as baby faces in this scenario because of just how poorly this is done. And in theory they should be, but I I'm an adult and I can <laughs> read between the lines like, you know, hey, you signed this but you knew what you were doing. So why are you now turning around and and uh like ah oh, we're not gonna do that? And then here's the most important part. So the the Truckers win. Holly Swag hits um hits who was that Rivera with the hitch and ditch, which is supposed to be her finish. She gets the, the pin, one, two, three, and you know, Lopez is constantly like, ah, you know, I got the contract. You're supposed to lose, you're supposed to lose. But that didn't happen. Hitch and ditch, one, two, three, and it wasn't on Rivera, it was on uh uh I mean, no, it was on Rivera. I thought I was thinking Sanchez, but it was on Rivera. So they get that, and as soon as the bell rings, here comes the kid cops, and they come out from the back, and they're like, all right, hey, you're going to jail. They don't say that, but that's pretty much where it's going. As they're being cuffed, and they don't even do the cuffing right, they don't cuff behind the back, they cuff in front. I'm sorry to say, if you're going to be a cop on TV, at least do it right, cuff behind the back. You know, you don't cuff anybody with their hands in front. They're still able to use their hands. (laughs) But, again, if you're just watching this for wrestling and you're not looking at logic or life or things like that, that's not going to bother you. So the truckers are cuffed, and they're being taken to jail. And then Swag yanks herself away to get on the microphone, and Dave McClain, of course, he gets up and gives her the microphone or puts the microphone in front of her face so she can talk. And SWAG declares that we don't lay down for anybody and we're not afraid of jail. So, and that was so mind-boggling to me. Why did they ask Sophia Lopez to get them out in the first place? If they aren't afraid of jail and they aren't worried about serving time or things like that, why did they go through the, the hoops of getting Sophia Lopez to get them out? What was that for? It's completely contradictory. Because before they was like, oh, we got to get out of jail. We wouldn't even be here if he hadn't done this, that, and the other. And, oh, I know we'll call some at the Like, that whole scene made it seem like we got to get out of here. We don't want to be in jail. <laughs> but now she's Miss she's Tough Guy. And we, we don't lay down for anybody and we ain't afraid of jail. Then what did you call her for? This is stupid. This whole angle is stupid. Matches might be fine. The angle is dumb. It's poorly told. And it doesn't make you care about the truckers at all. If this is all laid out in a row, forget, you know, I know this took place over the course of weeks, if not months. But if if this were just taken clip for clip of everything played in full angle stretched out from start to finish, it wouldn't make any sense. If you're going to be honest with the angle and ask, okay, well, why is this happening? What is this for? And why are they trying to get out of the And why did they call her? And why did they take this truck? And who did this? If those things were actually asked, like this is an absurd angle. And it's not like it couldn't have been good. All it would have taken is a couple of turns or tweaks here and there. One of them being if Lopez had gotten out here ahead of time, stood on a, in front of the camera, got on the microphone, and explained, you two owe me. I got you out of jail. You are going to lay down for my team right now. This is the payback. This is, you know, you, you I got the contract in my hand, and if you don't. I am going to call the cops and have them come over here and have you rearrested and then I'm going to press charges to the fullest extent of the law, right? Or the fullest extent of what I am able to do. So that would have changed a lot right there. Now, I don't know what kind of stipulations she would have in a contract that uh, that would make the police come out there for her, but she has a contract. It's like, hey, no, this is enforceable by law and I want them arrested. And that's what she, she, they should have had, something like that, her getting back on that microphone. The police not wanting to do it if you're trying to make them sympathetic baby faces. And like, hey, no. I know this is a wrestling match. I know you got other things to do, but this is a contract. I'm a taxpayer. I'm an attorney. Take them to jail. And I'll deal with them later. Let Lopez be as big of a, uh, not going to say it, but, Biggest jerk, <laughs> I'm trying to find a nice, a nice way to put that, as she could possibly be. And then, you know, and make the people feel for the tr- mother truckers just because of the absurd stipulations she's putting in. But in, in this scenario, it's like how is what she's asking for absurd? It might go against the truckers morally, but how is this absurd? You're not losing anything. There's no title on the line. There's no position on the line. And that's another thing. This should have opened up with the motor truckers beat the, the tag team champions some time ago. Los Banditas has won their last three matches and they're demanding a title shot. This is for the number one contendership or something. You know, just something to put some weight on the match. There's nothing here. It's just a match. And it is a completely skippable angle. You want to see the match, That's fine, but it is a completely skippable angle. And they, whoever's in the back, whoever came up with this, you need to do better. Let's just go ahead and make that. You need to do better. Next segment, Ozzy, the video package of her journey, building Ozzy up as a top contender. I both love and hate this match. <laughs> oh No, I don't hate it. I just, I just didn't particularly. I don't know if I care for the finish so much, and and it's not that it, it wasn't a bad finish. It wasn't a bad finish. I just, you know, there there are times when Wow will go out of their way to build stuff up, and it and it just doesn't seem like it has a payoff to it. This is one of those times. It just didn't feel like it had a payoff to it. Now, uh, Penelope Pink, Marina Tucker, put up a post on Instagram about this match. And uh I responded cuz I'm usually tagged in those or or the WPN, I should say not me personally, but the WPN is usually tagged in those posts. And I responded for the WPN saying that this is probably the best title match that Wow has ever had. And I stand by that also. As much as I would call out the bad or the ridiculous, I will call out the good. I think that this is the singular best title match that WoW has had. From two people who could carry the match. I say that because their previous champion, and I say this with all due respect to the Beast, I do not think that she has the capability to carry a match on her own for six minutes or better. Her matches are basically, you know, they're a Goldberg match. Get in there, do some power moves, squash them, be done. And her matches might be three or four minutes, maybe. She hasn't had to have a good match. She hasn't had to have one that went eight minutes, nine minutes, 10 minutes. Probably hasn't had to call a match either. Maybe she did. I sincerely doubt it, but you know maybe she did. I'll give the benefit of the doubt. But in terms of in-ring work, Penelope Pink is a far superior wrestler than The Beast. Not only can she get in there and have a match, but she can also get in there and be vulnerable and not lose anything out of her vulnerability. She can... Take a beating. She can cheat. She can out wrestle. She can, you know, she could do the things that she, as a heel champion, should and could do. The Beast, because of her overall persona, can't do that. They've established her as some wrecking machine and being able to just demolish everybody on the wild roster. So she can't be the heel that runs away if she ever goes back to heel. I mean, I know she flirted with being a heel at the beginning, but she's basically a, a baby face for him now, but she can't, you know, She's like I said, she falls into the Goldberg thing. She has to be a monster, either heel or in this case, she's got to be a overwhelmingly powerful baby face, which takes away the ability to sell long term for her without her looking bad. We will go back into the set in a moment. Uh, Ozzy and Pink in this match, I felt, had pretty good chemistry. They they wrestled each other before, and that probably helped. Uh, but this is the best match of the episode. Um, they wrestled hard. I think the match deserved a better build, and it might have deserved to have a longer, more epic match world's championship match between the two of them but i know that was never going to happen because wow has to get their four matches in and if they do that the best way that they're going to get it is about 10 minutes but in fairness to ozzy and pink they maximized their minutes they took advantage of every second that they had and they made it work I don't know if there's anything that you can really say that could be a legitimate complaint to this match. It's, um, it was very well done. Ozzy looked like she busted her mouth open at some point. Now I think she, you know, it, at first I thought it was like, Oh man, she got some lipstick smeared on her mouth, but no, that's blood. <laughs> she, she's got blood on her teeth somewhere in there. I don't know where she caught it, but yeah, she, she's got blood on her teeth within, within this match. But they did a good job here. The only downside to this is where I was going with the Beast before. I When the Beast first got hurt and she got the, uh, the broken ankle within the three-way match and then they did the follow-up angle of her getting her ankle busted with a pipe or whatever it was outside and re-injured it which was ridiculous. It was a hat on a hat. They didn't have to do a secondary injury angle. It was stupid. But uh, when that happened, I made the statement in one of those podcasts, like, I hope they're not just going to hold on to the title solely to give it back to the beast. Well, that feels like what's happening here because as good as the match was, and as much build as Princess Ozzy had with the whole, I've done this. This is my, you know, my destiny. I belong here. Blah 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 blah. As much as that was kind of pumped into this match as a build, her coming to the aid of Candy Crush, them winning the tag team match that that Ozzy pinned Penelope Pink. And then she goes into a match with Vickie Lynn McCoy, who's supposed to be her obstacle to keep her away from the championship. And then Ozzy wins that. And then she cuts a promo at the end of the match. And she's, you're my glass ceiling, Vickie Lynn, Or you were my glass ceiling. And Penelope Pink, you're going to be my reward. It was a great, <clears throat> let me rephrase that. I wouldn't say great. <laughs> it was a good build to this championship match to have the, Babyface fail. and that's what happened. The babyface failed. Ah, uh, it's not a requirement that your babyface win, even with that, you know, with the build that they created. It's not some sort of requirement that that happens. It's not necessary. It just felt like it should have been, or something along those lines, that, or or at least at the very least. A controversial finish. Because at this point, like what is what is there for Ozzy to do? She's she's chased the championship, she lost. So, you know, where are we going with that? And and the heat transferred. It transferred right off of Ozzy, right into the beast. So now she's the, the person that got their sight set on the championship. And, and it can only be one and she's apparently looking like she's walking right back into a championship contendership scenario. So in any case, if you want to see the match, I think you should, you know, that this is when I would say, hey, you can go out your way and watch this one. They did a really good job here. Uh, nice chemistry between the two of them. I would have liked to seen a uh, rivalry that kind of sparked off between the two, maybe, you know, that kind of best of series. I don't think we're ever going to get that, <laughs> at least not in a while. But you know that they, they had a fun match all the same. Uh, Lana Starr also did well in this, where she is clutching the belt like desperately, holding on to it as if like, oh my god, no, you can't lose! I can't, I can't lose this belt. Also, although. As I'm thinking about it, I don't even know if this match took place before the tag team titles lost or not, so I can, so I can't say that she's trying to hold on to it in lieu of having lost the title the tag titles already. We don't we have no idea where this match took place in that. One of the things that also happened in this match is that the commentators pretty much foreshadowed the use of the belt. I I mean, I understand that they they can't not bring it up because Lana Star went over there and grabbed the belt like and they're like what are you doing with the belt? Where is the belt? Uh this probably would have been a better sequence if the belt had just stayed in Penelope Pink's corner opposed to Lana Star picking it up and grabbing it. Or am I might, you know, I, I I shouldn't even say um picking up and grabbing it off of that. but Because <clears throat> as long as it's in front of the commentators, then, yeah, I, mean, I, I can get it. I, I understand that it's like, hey, what are you doing? But it did work as a bit of a foreshadowing. It, it would have worked better for me if Lana had just held on to the title just from start to finish, opposed to going over there to get it, them calling the fact that she got it, and then the belt being used. Predictable doesn't mean bad, however. So I didn't have a problem with Lonestar getting the belt. I would have preferred it not being foreshadowed to me, but I didn't necessarily have a problem with that either. And nor did I have a problem with Penelope Pink using the belt as a means to win. She is a heel, and that's what heels do. The only downside to that is is how the the shot came off. Now I I want to talk about the end sequence here because I thought it was a really nice sequence. So Penelope Pink goes for her like knee lift. She, Ozzy is down and she is preparing for impact. Let's say Pink comes off of the rope. She's charging in. She's trying to get the uh, knee. She misses. Ozzy rolls her through almost into a a pinfall position, but she. Like I said, it rolls her through, pushes her up, gets up to her feet, and meets her there and catches her with a, just a nice cutter. Have to give her a cur- Not only did she perform the cutter well, but Pink took it well. She dropped up into that thing and bam, just, just caught her. But she also did the great heel thing in that she took the impact of the cutter and rolled herself right out of that ring. <laughs> It was it was a, it was a great heel moment. She rolled herself right out of the ring to evade pinfall. So now you got Princess Ozzy in there, like oh my gosh, and, and you know of course you got to be in the ring to win. And Ozzy's looking around like what? I can't come on, ref, you know. And then Lana Starr gets up on the other side by the hard camera and she starts talking to the referee. She starts yelling and distracting the referee. This is where Princess Ozzy gets the uh, you know the stupidity bug and starts to draw her attention towards Lana Starr. She's over there looking at Lana. Lana's looking at her like, hey, hey, you need to start doing whatever. She's yelling at the referee, yelling at Princess Ozzy. You know, it's, Lana almost looks like she's in tears, <laughs> you know, yelling at her. Ozzy gets, not Ozzy, Pink gets the belt while the referee's back is turned. Soon as she turns around, she gets clocked. Now, good that they changed it to another camera angle because that belt shot did not look heavy or hard or even close to like it was impactful. But they flipped the camera shot just at the right time to cover that as best they could. Referee, of course, being blind, didn't see it, you know, but that's the hallmark of all. Oh, Idiot referees; (laughs) they don't see anything. Turns around just in time to see Ozzy laid out on the on the mat. One, two, three; she's done. Ozzy's beat, and she's out of there. And this was, and even this, the beast returning at the end. Even that was well done. And I know that I don't give a lot of credibility or credit to them on you know certain things. You know, I you you just heard me massacre the the mother trucker angle because that, that's just ridiculous. But here, uh, it worked. The match finishes. The beast slides in from nowhere. Nowhere being being the uh, backstage. So she comes out, and as Pink and Star are holding up the belt, I mean, you know, clearly they're they're waiting for the beast. As you know, they blow kisses at the camera, and you know, I guess David McLean. Bees comes in behind them. Some they they, I guess they sense her presence, and they turn around into a double spear. The Beast spears them both down. And if there's one thing you can say about the bees, now I can't say that she's a great wrestler, but one thing I can say about her is that she has an imposing physique and she also has a lot of intensity in her look she has a very intense look when she does whatever it is that she's doing so in that regard I could I, you know I could see why Dave McLean is kind of hitching his wagons to her and, and putting it on like the beast uh, which is also a recycled name from wrestling days gone by in women's wrestling that is She picks Penelope Pink up, she takes her down in a beast bomb, and then she goes over to the belt, and she picks it up, and she is looking at it longingly, and then she holds it up over her head, you know, and I guess as if to silently say that I am coming back for this. Uh, I don't have any problem with this. I I think that this is probably the best way that they could have ended this match and not have people feel bad about uh uh Princess Ozzy losing. Even though, you know, they they built up Ozzy. Yeah, it is it's like I said, it's a good way to take the uh, the steam off of Penelope Pink winning is a good way to get the people to forget that Princess Ozzy, the baby face, just lost by bringing in the Beast, who's their returning star, I guess, and carrying it on from there. Now we have to see where they're going with this. Where Where is this going to go? What is, what is this going to do? They, they have the Beast back. It is very likely going to be exactly what I said. They held on to the championship long enough to get the beast into it. But where is this really going to go? Is she going to just go after the championship? I would think that at this point, and not to throw salt in the wound or rain on the parade or any other, you know, little idioms that you would like to say, but I would think that the person that she would go after would be the person that broke her leg. Wouldn't she be looking to find out who took months of her career off? She's been gone for like 10 months. Almost a full year. So I would, you know, I would believe that that would be part of the mission statement for the Beast one way or the other. We know she's going to go out to the championship eventually, if not immediately, which seems like to be the case. But I would think that she would want to know, like, who, who is it in on this show, on this roster who attacked me and broke my ankle. I think that would be the bigger story. The bigger angle and the bigger payoff. Provided that they can get someone there who can really carry the idea of yeah I did it and no you're not getting a match with me because you know you're not on my level or whatever the case would be. Evade them. Avoid. Them, run. Make her work to get that, that match Against the person who took months Almost a full year off of her career But I don't think that's going to happen So that was the episode That was Wow Women of Wrestling Episode 51 Light at the end of the tunnel And that is uh, The entirety of that show It is a C It is an average show It's a C plus It is an average show The main event match was not enough to offset the ridiculousness of the angle of the Mother Truckers. The ballot of the Mother Truckers drags this show down, in my view. And I only say in my view, because I'm sure there's people out there like, this is a great episode. What are you talking about? So, So, yeah, I will leave it at that. In my view, it drags it down. Doesn't make it a terrible episode, but it does bring it down some just on we got to follow this not-so-good angle with this good main event. So, you know, there's there's a little bit of, uh, uh, of discretionary matches there that kind of t- t- ruined some of this. But you know it doesn't take, doesn't mess it up bad enough that you can't enjoy it. And so, if you got the time or the inclination, uh, and you're looking for a match to watch, first and last, those are the matches that I would suggest: Tormenta versus Cella, which would have been a fantastic match. It, you know, it, it just had a little botch at the end, and those things happen. So no, no steam off of them. And Ozzy versus Pink. Those are the matches that you should look at if you're going to watch anything on this program. And that'll do it. That will be the episode. That is the full review. I want to thank you all for tuning in and uh, listening to this. And you know what has gotten me? WOW has t-shirts that they have available on Amazon that they vaguely advertise. I'm really surprised, especially given that you have a national television product that you don't bring it up. But you know who also has t-shirts? This guy, me, you can go down to the bottom of uh, our YouTube channel page and what YouTube channel page. On on any given uh, review or video, there's links to the t-shirts that are available and I am now currently working on new ones. So if you are looking to support the channel and some of you have, public thank you to all of you. Um, If you are looking to support it, please do. And that is one way that you could do it. Other ways that you could do it, the logging in and uh, clicking the like button. It helps with the algorithm, you know, and getting us back to a point where people can find this easily. Uh, before the pandemic, you could find us super easily. You could have just typed in "woman" and, and we'd have come up. But now, you know, is, is after such a long hiatus, you having to do it all over again and climb back up. So, uh, yes, the likes, the shares, the subscribes, all of those help, and I appreciate those of you who have done it. And if you have any comments. Uh, absolutely please leave them And we will get to it We will go check it out Right here Underneath the, uh, the videos themselves And if I don't respond to you there I'm definitely going to be looking at it On the, uh, the podcast to, to say something to it Or say something In response maybe Depending on what it is uh, So with that I will say Ladies and gentlemen Thank you for listening And until the next time, we're going to wrap the show up and I will close with the uh, standard closing that this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long and we will see you on the next go round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.